My name is Janet Shreve. I'm the Director of Shreve Care Services and this is my podcast, You Care, I Care, talking with people who have different experiences of the care sector. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Yusuf Abubakar, who is the owner of Bosin Care. And when I set up Shreve Care Services, was actually my very first client and is still a client. Thank goodness, I can't be too bad. But Yusuf, thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted that you're here. I think what would be really interesting is if you could talk about how on earth you started in care, because I just couldn't believe when you were talking to me about what you've done. Right. I think it was about, um, I would say, 14, 15 years ago, I used to work in marketing and I wanted to do something that is quite impactful. I was considering joining the Hami. My wife said, no, you're not leaving us and going to Afghanistan at the time. So I decided to try other jobs. So I thought about working with mental health. I applied for the job, I I did the training, and I did my first shift. My first shift was in the place in in Worcester. We end up at the Worcester Hospital that night because one of the clients actually attacked one of the staff. But it didn't faze me because I feel at that point, I understand that he wasn't in the right frame of mind. He hasn't hurt the staff on purpose. He was agitated at the time. We we didn't get the signal. The the incident escalated. It didn't face me, and I just knew, like, I can do this job. And I just fell in love with it ever since then. Working all the way in Worcester, doing long shifts, a lot of sleeping, and then I just developed myself. So when did you actually set up Boson Care? We set up Boson Care seven years ago. What happened was I was doing some transition in a secured unit. A company then approached me at the time why I was doing transition for another client, working for another company. They came to the transition for another company and they, they, they came to speak with me and said, listen, can you work for us? Just setting up us a support living service. I've never done that before. They said they liked the way I worked. And, you know, I, I switched from my company to the company that approached me. In that three years of working for that company, I realized that my strength is just is more around the developing side of the business because I understand what it looks like on the ground floor. You know, I've worked around different settings from mental health to learning disabilities. I've done, you know, cerebral palsy. I've worked in colleges. I've worked in child services. I work for agencies as well, so I do nursing and elderly care as well. I enjoyed the, 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 the mental health side and the learning disability, autistic side because... You can, you can actually dive deep into it. It's not just getting there, getting someone's ready and feeding them breakfast and moving to the next one. I just find that quite repetitive. Mm. I want something that will challenge my mind, something that will make me want to be more interested in making this individual live a good quality of life. And, you know, working for that company gives me the experience and the opportunity to experiment my skill in developing businesses and, and you know, seeing the growth and I'm, you know, by the time I left the company, it was, it was, it was in a good shape. When I first started working with you, although I'd worked a lot with different different people over the years, I didn't really understand what supported living actually is. And I think it's probably one of the care services that probably people know the least about. Absolutely, I think when it comes to supported living. You know, I was speaking with someone yesterday and he kept referring to support living and assisted living. Everyone has their own understanding, their own theory of what support living is. And no one is actually giving the clear direction of what it actually is. Absolutely. But based on my experience, working from a care worker, being a team leader, senior to owning my own company in the last seven years, I think 
So poor living is just like me and you living in our independent home, having our own tenancy, but we need a bit of help to manage our emotional needs, our mental health needs. And we need someone to be in the background to kind of guide us. Sometimes we might require a little bit more than that, which is when the one-to-one support need is required. You know, we've, we've got people with, with specific conditions and the kind of medication they take, it kind of make them neglect their, their hygiene. And that's when we need the staff to be in the background to make sure we continue to give them this quality of life. Because if they lived on their own, they wouldn't see the difference based on the kind of medication they take. So support living is someone like me and you living in the community that just require a bit of help. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand in the, in, the, in the community, in the society. People complain about some of our services and saying, he's opening a care home next to my house. It, it's not a care home. It's just a man called John that wants to rent a house next door. But guess what? It has a couple of staff coming in to help it. That is actually a really brilliant way of explaining what you do. Because obviously what you do as well, and I know we've had conversations about this as well, is where you're looking to get people back into the community. You're looking for them to become as independent as possible, which is is amazing, really. And if somebody leaves your service, you're pleased that you've achieved what you want for obviously the right reasons. But ultimately, you're pleased that you've done your job. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things we really take pride on as a team in Bolson Care. You know, we always strive to make sure that we improve this individual's life. Um, we, in the last few years, I would say we've, we've had a massive achievement. We've had people leaving our services to go and live independently in their own self-contained flat, managing their finances without the support of anybody. And they've got voluntary jobs and, you know, they might require um, someone going in there maybe once a week just to help them prep their medication and order it through the pharmacy, whatever area they require. But they're not living in a support living facilities with 24-hour staffing anymore, which for me, it's, it's, it's amazing. We've managed to achieve about four of them in the last seven years. We always kind of work with the client. What we always do, when we write in the support plan, when a client moves into a service, we basically sit with them and we try and highlight what they want to achieve as well and what kind of life they want to live. I'm a true believer of, if you have a purpose, you will want to wake up in the morning, you want to start, you want to strive. As long as you, you know, you're working towards and towards what, what you want to achieve, as long as you have the right people around you, so it's important for the staff members going in to know that, you know, this person want to try and be the best guitarist in, in, in Swindon, for example. And, you know, we're going to practice guitar one hour every day and we're going to look for a volunteer place where you can go and learn. Then after six months, when you've improved and now you play your guitar, we can say, can you perform for the staff meeting for five minutes? We're going to have a staff um, party, for example, staff Christmas party. So you're going to come there and you're going to perform for us. So we always work with you in every step to make sure that we give you that, you know, that purpose, something you actually really enjoy. You know, I've worked with very, very complex clients. Some clients, you know, they want to take their own life. You know, when you read the support plan, it's quite, it's quite scary. But when you actually get to meet this individual on a one-to-one and you spend some good time with them, you know, they never forget. And even after five, six years, when you see them, they always remember, oh, I remember the day we went to Western Superman and we sat on the beach and you took your shoes off and you flared over, you were so funny. You know, so those memories are so important to those clients and those time that we spend creating a future for them, creating a plan for them to achieve their goal, it stays with them. And that's the reason why we're in this job in, in the first place. It's not for everybody, but if you're really into giving back to this community, to the society, to humanity, 
it's the perfect place to be. That's amazing, actually. It really, I mean, as I said, working with you has been quite, it's been a learning curve. I've learned a lot. And also the thing I like is you're willing to share what you do. You have someone in this area, don't you? Um, And basically going out at 11 o'clock at night to mend his ramp so he can get his wheelchair out. So that's quite unusual for someone who owns a business to do that because a lot of people would think oh, it's not my job to do that but you go out and do whatever you need to do and I thought your your I think it was was it Christmas day when you went around and had I mean you sounded like you had about five Christmas dinners didn't yeah, you yeah it was amazing I think in the last seven years the biggest joy for me around Christmas time is just seeing going to services houses and seeing the Christmas tree hop you know I remember doing a spot check at night one day we, we went out to spot check the the service to you know see if the staff are doing the right thing at night then um, you know we end up doing all the Christmas trees in our houses and making it look nice. And the services that came out the most day in the morning, they were so happy, like, oh yeah, you did it better. You didn't put this here. You know, we then we we start engaging. It's a way to engage with this individual. If people are kept to themselves, they play with their thoughts, and a lot of things comes to their mind. And engaging with people with individuals in our service helps us to understand that you have to engage with people. Yes, absolutely. You know, engaging with people would, would, would free up their mind. You take their mind away from whatever I explained to them. Some of them hear voices. If you engage with them, you, you would distract them from the voices then hear, they're hearing. You know, and we've had scenarios of, you know, clients that want the little thing, you know, and sometimes we have to go out of our way. You know, the local authorities work nine to five. Sometimes we need approval to be able to get some things done. If I need to check something from a, from a safeguarding perspective, they're closed nine to five. They work nine to five. So by 5 p.m. they've closed. But these guys are in our service till the next day in the morning. So sometimes we have to make dynamic decisions. And, you know, that would be, it could be driving to Swindon. You know, there was a time um, where we, we, one of our services in Stafford, the service user was not answering phone. The land phone was not working. We were calling the staff on shift. There was no phone call. We were so worried that we had two staff. One was driving from the other side of the country. I was driving from Bristol. And we would, we kept calling them to make sure that they're, they're okay. But we were driving towards the same direction, whoever gets there first. And if one person gets there first, I can tell the person to turn back and you can go home uh-huh. and sleep now. And by 11 o'clock, we managed to get hold of, of, of one of them. And, you know, it was just so nice to know that we, we care about these guys. We, we know that things can happen in the service and, you know, the service user could get injured, the staff member could get injured. You know, as much as we care about the welfare of our service users, we care about the staff as well. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your staff. Um, have you found it difficult getting staff? To be honest, no, it's not that bad. On, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we've been really good in the last seven years. I would say we're probably one of the only care companies that I know that has never used an agency staff so we've been lucky in that way and kudos to the team our recruitment process is very very robust but at the same time we try to make it as quick as possible I used to be a support worker and I really enjoy it and I still do enjoy it you know I still go down to the services and spend some time with them so they kind of feel like they're working for someone that's part of the team as well because I'm always in the service. I'll pop in there in the daytime. And I'll that's important. It is important. And, you know, mm. they see my engagement with the services as well. When I walked in, they're always excited and they want to tell me what's going on, what they've achieved, which gives me joy. And, you know, that's helped us to keep a lot of staff. And, 
you know, in the last few years, the COS, the certificate of sponsorship thing came out. We're lucky we applied, we got the license. So that has helped us to employ a lot of staff from, you know, well affected country like Ukraine. Um, we employ some staff from um, Nigeria and we've got some staff from Pakistan as well. So we're trying to diversify our team as well and it creates a lot of more engagement in the, in the house because the services are would, you know, they have the best of tasting a Ukrainian dish and, and, a, and a, um, you know, Pakistani dishes and Nigerian dishes, you know. Like no wonder you go around eating at everybody's house. Then. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I enjoy going to the service. Yeah, because, I realise you know, that. You always come back with a different twist of, of a meal. You know, so yeah. How many actual houses do you have, and where are they? What about twelve? Have. have you got about twelve, or maybe a bit more? We've opened another four flats in Bristol, and we've got um, a service that's just opened in Gloucester as well, mm-hmm. and we've got two other new services that are in process of opening. So I would say we got about fifteen by the end of this year, eighteen services in total, and it's just from Gloucester across Gloucester. We've got one in Swindon. Got service. We've got a couple of services in Bristol as well. I think I would say fifteen at the moment. Mm. Fifteen services. I mean, I'm I'm always impatient, and I want things to happen, as you well know, like yesterday. Oh. So when when I speak to somebody, you know, one of the services, and we want to get something, because I mean, obviously, the the one we had uh, just before Christmas, you know, I just wanted that to happen. Yeah. I'm thinking, why can't it happen quickly? Why can't this? And and that's that's a real challenge for you, isn't it? Sometimes the time it takes to get things sorted. You know, so let me come in from a business perspective now. We we as you know, as an investor, we get the property ready. We spend months and months waiting to complete on property. We probably <laughs> take about six months. By the time we complete, we renovate the property, adapting it to the service user's taste. Based on our, our experience, we know what services are want in a room. So we always make criteria for people that have physical disabilities, people in wheelchair. So we make this adaptation on the property, then we wait. Then we go to the local authorities trying to looking for clients that will fit that accommodation. And sometimes you can wait up to a whole year. And you yeah. know, I think it's just the volume of of, of needs that is out there. The the, the, the the industry is is oversaturated at the moment. And the local authorities as well, I think they're so busy that they're having new cases, new files, and it's becoming sometimes difficult to manage. Some local authorities work better than others. But if you're in a rush, don't come in this industry. You know, you won't get an email on time. You ca- you'll have to sit there and chase and chase and chase. I mean, you could wait. So any, any funding that's quite high to certain numbers, it has to go to panel. And when they have to take funding to panel, Sometimes the social worker don't get dates in the panel. They have to wait three, four, five weeks. And in some cases, this are people that are homeless. So the frustration is not the frustration to get a business going, it's to get the clients in a, in a nice, decent home. Exactly. Um, because you've gone out, you've assessed this individual, you've met them, you've told them what their house might look like. So you've kind of sold them the dream. Apart from the nervousness of you know, the business side of things, there is a lot more to it because you've actually met this man called John and you told him, don't worry, I'm going to offer you a three-bedroom house in, let's say, Bislington area in Bristol. There's a shop, supermarket next to it. And he's excited about all these things. But then you're waiting for funding to be approved. Mm-hmm. It's not possible for you to assess someone in a support living settings without them asking those questions. What's my house going to look like? How many people am I going to be looking am I going to be living with? Mm-hmm. And these are the same thing we will be interested in if we want to rent from a private tenant. 
you know, if I'm renting a shared room, I want to know if it's, uh, am I living with a bunch of students or am I living Absolutely. with professionals? So, you know, so when you give them all these answers, the, you know, there's that agitation. And then most of the time we get increase of behaviors in their current placement. So you see that sometimes by the time the funding is approved, we're going to be in, we're going to be sent a lot of new behaviors that's been shown. And yeah. that's what we have to deal with when they move It in. is. Yeah. And, and actually, I was talking to one of the social workers the other day about that. And she mm. was sort of talking about, well, I, I did actually assess this person, but it was like three months ago and there's some changes. And and I, I and I, I agree. It's also got to be that. But the other thing that's interesting as well is when because obviously you've got three or four particularly people that you might support in, in, in the house, you've got to make sure that they can get on together, haven't you? Absolutely. So those are one of the things we do when we go out and um, and do carry out an assessment. We try to identify the goals these individuals want to achieve. You know, some cases we have to check if these individuals have got forensic history, been to prison and all that. Then we check the kind of um, lifestyle, if they are still taking drugs, if they if they take you know alcohol, so we got to make sure that nobody's influencing one another in the house before we offer a placement. We're going to make sure that our staff teams are trained enough to be able to meet these individuals' needs. They may have this specific medication that will require extra you know extra level of tr- medication or training, and we have to source those training, make sure we provide those training for our staff, make sure we can find this training before we even offer for this individual. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we still have to wait and sit back. And sometimes it could take up to three, four, five months. You know, there are clients that we've been we've been talking about, we've assessed, we've written support plan, and we're waiting for funding to be approved. And, in fact, we're waiting for funding panel date. And this client has been going on since October. You know, kudos to some of the local authorities. They're quite quick. But some locators just take their time. Yeah, I completely understand that because actually that was one of the biggest shocks because I wasn't used to that. I was mm. used to things, you know, when, when I worked in living, we sometimes get people out in 48 hours. And it was so, so very different when you realise that you might get a phone call to sort of do the first bit mm. within the first 48 hours if you're lucky. And and I do understand, yeah, I mean, the more I've worked within the sector, the more you understand that it's a very, very different world from, as I said, a lot of what people think it is. Because probably, I'm not sure whether it is the right name, because sometimes I think supported living doesn't always give the right impression of what you're actually doing. I think what people need to understand is anyone can live in supported living facilities as soon as they require a bit of needs. Some of them might be, you know, just support or managing my, you know, my alcohol. It could be managing drugs. It could be, you know, lend disabilities. But what we don't do is we don't put all of them together. We have different services and different different needs. Our staff members have vast experience because we give them the opportunity to work in each different houses. And when they go to houses where people are very independent, they go and have a shower themselves. They don't need help with cooking. They don't need help with finances. They just need the staff in the background. They know they just sit in the background and kind of get on with the staff service user and say, what are you doing today? Are you going to your mom? Oh, that's not a good decision to make. You know, that's not a wise one. You should come back by midnight because it's quite la- It's quite dark now and it's late. There's no boss. You know, those mm. kind of support. And there's some service users that actually need the, oh, you know, I'm going to call the GP. I need to check your temperature. How are you feeling? Observation every hour. And then we've got some services where complex things, which are physically, they might sometimes come across physically aggressive towards you. But what we do is we try not to look into those physically, physical aggression. We try and manage the behavior. One thing I realize is in the last 15 years of my experience is before someone would be physically aggressive to you, they would show you a lot of signs. 
They will show you yeah. that I'm not happy. They will show you leave my space. And then what we always encourage is take yourself away, reapproach the situation. Most of the time, people are a lot calmer, and then you can meet a resolution and say, you know, I'm going to leave you to it. Well, let's do it tomorrow, for example. And it's just those little things that we count as little things. For these individuals, it means a lot to them. It, you know, that's all they have. And it's their home. You know, you might ask them to clean his bedroom and he's not happy with it. Leave it. Come back again. Try another staff member to come and try it. And, you know, that will kind of reduce the behaviour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's interesting as well because you your staff seem to stay with you for a long while, which is always good. So your staff retention is really good, isn't it? Amazing, yeah. We, we, we're so lucky. I don't know. I don't know what the guy the ladies are doing in the office during the recruitment process but they're doing a fantastic job um you know but like i said they always try and let the staff member know what we're trying to achieve as a company um we tell them about ourselves we're during the induction we let them know like this is how it is yusuf is going to come in and do some shift if 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 you know if we are short so if there's any sickness or last minute cancellation i'm quite happy to just I'll do the six hours yeah, until we yeah. find a cover. So it's not a business. And same with the register manager. My register manager will go in and they'll get involved with the cleaning, they'll get involved with moving the services they're in. So we it's more like a whole teamwork. Everyone can do that care. Yeah. The fundamental of it is providing care and every one of us can do it. Even, you know, when we employ in, you know, the administrator in the office and, and the HR, we always make sure that these are people that are willing to go and get their hands dirty. These are people that are willing to go and, you know, change a part if they need to. You know, help a service user go shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to, okay. Because you're going to have cancellation. People are going to be off sick. People are going to take holiday. Things will happen. Sometimes we might need to increase the number of staff immediately because of an incident. We want to know that we're all working in the same page. And I think the staff can see that in the senior management. And it helps them to feel like they can grow within the organization. And, you know, we do look after our staff as yeah, well. Yeah, you do, because actually I was talking to um, one of your managers back in November and she was asking, she was talking about working with you. I don't think I probably should say this because actually I'm not naming her. I said, you know, do you enjoy working? Are you happy? And she said, I don't want to work with anybody else. She said, I'm really, I've no desire to move. I absolutely love what I do. And I really like working with Boston Care. They support us. Um, they're a great team. And I can actually, having worked with you now for what's getting on for about 18 months, Mm. I can see what they're talking about. Because I think what is quite different for what you do is you're absolutely willing to get your hands dirty and go out there and do whatever is needed to do. But also people need to understand it more. Yeah. And I think that is really, really important Mm. because people don't. And I think it's very much under under the radar of a lot of people. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, every one of us can end up in a in a support living. We've we've had service users that used to have a normal life, married, have kids, um, have issues in their personal life. They have a breakdown, end up being depressed, triggering some other condition, end up in our support living service. If you look at our society now, people are people are going through a lot. Not everyone will be able to handle it. And if you can't handle it, it can lead to something else that will trigger something else. Mm. And you might end up in support living yourself. So yeah. if you see a support worker out there, give them a kudos or a care worker. And if you see a services are out there, try to be accommodating as a society. You know, it could happen to anyone and there's nothing wrong with them. They just need a bit of help mm. like everyone else. Mm. You know, some of us have cleaners come into our houses. 
that's just having to be of help. Mm. Some of them need someone to help them order their medication. You know, some people need help in school because they can't read or spell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just that kind of little level of support. And some of them need a lot more than that. So let's try and embrace them in a society. They are part of our house. They're going to be living next door to you. They're going to be living in the next street to you. And that's what support living is. Well, Yusuf, thank you so much for coming in today because you've been number one on my list All for right. quite a long while, actually, <laughs> to get this podcast together. I really feel that what you do is quite exceptional and people actually don't know enough about it. And I know, obviously, it's part of my role to work with you, but equally, I have been really very impressed with what you do. And, you. Um, and it's been an absolute delight. Now, I know that um, Boston Care has a website and it's www.bostoncare.co.uk and obviously they can also get in touch with via myself because yeah. I'm also happy to, to work with anybody that, that may want to come forward. Again, thank you so much and um, hopefully we'll get a, get you on again soon so thank that so we much. can um, carry on this, this really, really interesting conversation. Amazing. But thank you, Yusuf. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you.